Hi, and welcome to Data in Depth, a podcast where we delve into advanced analytics, business intelligence, and machine learning, and how they're revolutionizing the manufacturing sector. Each episode, we share new ideas and best practices to help you put your business data to work. From the shop floor to the back office, from optimizing supply chains to customer experience, the factory of the future runs on data. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Data in Depth, the podcast exploring the world of big data and its role in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Andrew Reiser. Today, we are joined by John Clevenger, Managing Director of Accession Consulting. Today, John will cover a bit about Internet of Things, commercialization, and value creation, looking at the topic from the business side. Welcome, John. Thanks, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here today with you. Absolutely. So uh, before we dive in, it'd be great to have you give a little bit of background about yourself and just describe your journey in your own words, kind of what led you ultimately in your, your manufacturing career leading up until your, your consulting career today. Certainly. Uh, well, I started my career with Cummins Filtration, which is a $1.2 billion business unit of Cummins Inc. You might know it as Cummins Engine or Engine Company um, in sales and marketing. Uh, and during that time, I became heavily involved with Six Sigma using data to improve product offerings and grow, uh, and tying that to the use of technology to do things better and faster. And it was during this time at Cummins that I honed my skills related to growth, sales and profits, and becoming excellent at commercializing products and services. So over the last 25 years, I've leveraged this base in multiple industries, and whether I be in general management or an executive leadership position, using that to the advantage for growth. So most recently, I led a major global project for global IoT manufacturing in IoT, and particularly commercialization and value creation of an IoT offering. And uh, probably it was about a year ago, made the decision to uh, you know, move out of the corporate career and take my expertise to businesses, uh, mostly manufacturers, and uh, focus on helping them with growth. IoT and Industry 4.0 are, are definitely uh, hot buzzwords and topics in this space right now, so I'm looking forward to, to diving a little bit deeper into it. So before we uh, get into the weeds there, how about you tell me a little bit more about Accession Consulting and your practice and what you're focused on? Certainly. Uh, well, at Accession Consulting, I'm focused on growth and growth for my clients. Um, that's what everybody needs. Uh, I want to tie that to a cohesive strategy that's tactically implemented through the organization, but needs to be done in a cost-effective and practical and meaningful way, um, which I leverage my practical business experience to make sure that it is done in a practical, meaningful way. Um, and while there's a number of areas where that can happen, such as product launch and development, sales strategies, etc., of which I've done a number of uh, Consulting projects for uh, the newer and key area is IoT, and it leverages a lot of this same background and fundamentals. However, it's got to be done in a proper way with value creation in order to assure that growth is a result, as opposed to just a, a project that dies in the vine. Yeah, and I think we're we're definitely going to dive a little bit deeper into to that as we progress through the podcast. So maybe let's just start with some terminology. So. I know that buzzwords kind of encapsulate this industry in this space, but maybe tell me how you define Industry 4.0 and, and Internet of Things. And when you're talking about that with your customers and prospects, how do you define it to them and, and how do you identify and, and, and share with them what they should be thinking about? Absolutely. One of the first things I think is really important when you're defining Industry 4.0 or IoT, whichever one is used to hearing about it as, I think it's really simple to try to break it up into what it is and what it is not. 
So if we start first start with what it is, it is a new business model, completely new business model. It's a way to deliver greater value to your customer while becoming closer to your customer. It is an advanced services business model. In other words, it's not just about data. It's about offering and improving services, advanced services, to your customer to help them run their business better. It, because of that, it's very people intensive. It involves a lot of background, people, field service personnel, other things that um, some manufacturers may not have been heavily involved in, depending upon their business model currently. And it is a long-term journey and not a short-term destination. And really too many companies I've seen initially get into this thinking they're going to have some 12, 18-month ROI, they're going to have put a bunch of data in, and all of a sudden they're going to have some super whiz-bang thing happening. Um, and it's definitely not that. Um, so it is a long-term journey. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think uh, everything that you just described pretty much encapsulates what I define or, or think of as digital transformation. So I think digital transformation is very synonymous with, with Industry 4.0 and, and IoT and everything that, that you just described. I, I also somewhat think it's it's comical how, just alluding to your background, where you have a, a lot of Lean Six Sigma experience. So I think traditionally manufacturers have done a fantastic job on the shop floor and with the product and kind of eliminating waste and continuous improvement. What I find comical is that they sometimes struggle to expand that beyond the shop floor to other areas of the business. And it seems like maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but it's basically taking that lean mentality and, and that continuous improvement mentality and, and sharing it elsewhere within the business. Yeah, well, I would agree with you. I mean, there, there's a handful of companies that really do a great job of transferring that to the business side, whether it's administrative process or a product launch. A handful of um, embrace design for Six Sigma, which uh, uh, drives that on the product introduction side or process development side, but it's a, few, a very few companies that actually do that. So, which actually leads you into kind of the contrast of uh, what it is not. Uh, and by the way, related to what you talk about, lean transformation and whether it's uh, IT transformation, it is a heavy business side thing. And I think one of the failures people frequently have is uh, focusing or thinking of it as only an IT project, which right. it is not only an IT project. It certainly has components of that. Um, it's not only about hardware, or software, sensors, and controllers, which are mostly off-the-shelf available things today. And so it's not overly complicated IT uh, technology uh, at all. It's just pulling it all together. It can be a little bit more complicated, obviously, not to minimize the IT side of this. Um, and it's not, as I mentioned before, it's not a 12 to 18-month revenue strategy. Uh, it is a long-term plan. It is not a short-term plan. Uh, and companies have to be committed to long-term, not, not looking at this as some short-term win. Yeah, no, I agree. So let's dive into the, the weeds here a little bit. Um, and so in nearly all consulting efforts or, or projects in general, I think the framework generally falls into one of these three categories. It's usually around defining your strategy, getting executive buy-in uh, leadership from top down and bottom up, and really honing in on what's the strategy. The second bucket we typically come across is, okay, now that we have the strategy, how are we going to measure that? What defines success? What's going to be the business value? And then the last piece is just execution of that, and then making sure that you can scale beyond the pilot or initial phase. So if we can, let's talk through each one of those and I'd love to get your insights of, of how you approach that with customers. 
So if we touch on strategy first, how do you approach that conversation? So it's a, a new manufacturer uh, engagement that you're coming into. What's your thought process and mentality about extracting out that strategy or helping them define the strategy? Right. Well, one of the most important things we do is we try to start with and assure that I've got a whole management team involvement. I, I really like to have mm-hmm. uh, a management sort of brainstorming session with as much of the leadership team as possible, all functions involved. And usually we start with a question of, you know, what problem or problems are we solving or can we be solving for our customers uh, when we have access to real-time data? And we'll put some things up on a board. We'll use, um, you know, post-it notes and try to categorize things into areas and, and find out commonly what they think we think the top three to five things are. So once you can list, you know, three to five of these things, then you've got some serious work you have to do now, which needs to be done surrounding what that actually means to your customer. Um, and in that process actually is going to involve first building your own internal hypothesis related to customer value. So uh, assuming those three to five things are right, I have to tease them out and internally with people who are really close to the customer. So I like to typically get either involved with you know sales or operational personnel that are dealing day-to-day with the customer and find out, okay, on these three to five things, what do they think the actual value creation is? And then um, now you have to go validate those hypotheses with some actual key customers. I, usually I recommend you get a you know three to five that you have your best relationship with um, and you get some validation with those key customers and at multiple levels of your customer um, of what you, you have as a hypothesis they agree with because you might find they have a different perspective than what you thought. Yeah, which typically is often the case, right? Yes. <laughs> I think most, most internal discussions, uh, I think... Uh, companies are naive and, and typically the problems that they point to are, are self-serving because it causes uh, them pain internally, whereas the customer doesn't care. So uh, I think that's a great approach of getting that voice of the customer and really validating the hypothesis that gets created. Just generally thinking about the customer is also refreshing to hear. These projects transcend beyond the, the four walls of the organization, and a lot of this business value needs to be that customer-driven or things that are going to move the needle to make doing business with you easier. So, John, now that we've kind of worked through that strategy uh, kind of session and brainstorming and identified where those impacts can be measured, how do we do that? How do you, how do you define success, and how do you kind of put in place the business value in, in measuring that? Um, well, you know, it's really vital that you get clear on where the value is created and then you got to think through how you're going to price for that and then how are you going to test and then assure that your customer receives the value you think they should be receiving and it's going to take unfortunately far longer than you want and it's going to be far more important though than anything else you're going to do and you know really that drives the difference between no ROI or a fantastic ROI tied to all that work and what I'm really getting at there is you know value creation should be creating true customer improvement metrics the way they look at their business. So, you know, if you're a manufacturer and you're tied into their production process, for example, there should be key production metrics that they have on their side that have some internal improvement value, whether it's plant production or process improvement, you know, things that they actually have on their internal dashboards that are really valuable to them. 
And if we're impacting those as a manufacturer in a positive way, uh, and we can measure for those objectively, then we've created real, true, measurable value for the customer that should allow us to price and build some pricing models surrounding that. But I know there's lots of different ways to skin that cat, um, but those things end up driving a real return on investment that's really measurable. Oh, that's great. So. I think the last piece that that we uh, want to expand a little bit more on is the actual execution. So we've talked with the the leaders, develop a strategy, really understand the voice of the customer. And now it's getting this from paper to reality, right? So executing the project. There's statistics all over the place about failed, whether it be digital transformation efforts or IoT projects. The headline is usually the inability to, to get out of pilot mode. So I think that's probably a, a can of worms that we can somewhat open up, but I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on on how you actually now take this into something that becomes not only just a pilot, but something that can scale. Right. Well, the first thing, and I agree with you, that everybody's got to recognize is that scaling's not an easy thing. It is difficult. Uh, frustration's expected. And as a matter of fact, setbacks will happen. Uh, and everybody has to be prepared for that. This is one of the reasons why it's so important that the whole leadership team is on board and maybe depending upon the company, including the board, is on board in terms of this being an actual strategic direction and, again, not a short-term thing. Because what I have seen happen is, you know, companies get a lot of the failures happen because they get into trying to scale and there's difficulties or setbacks that happen, failures that happen in the in the process, an unexpected thing happens, uh, an ROI they thought would be there isn't there in the timeline they expect. They just don't throw the right amount of resources at it, under budgeted either people or dollars or whatever. Um, again, because not everyone was on board, they tried to do it with a skunk works or something like that. So it's really, really vital that um, every the whole leadership of the organization is on board as a strategic direction and the right resources are truly focused on it and then they don't give up just because there's a setback because there's going to be a setback that is a fact Uh, so anytime I'm talking with my clients that's the first thing I always tell them is expect a setback and if you're not ready or can't handle a setback then you're not ready to even start down this path Secondly, it's vital to really have a solid infrastructure plan because a full launch to scale means that you've got to have a solid people and a response plan to grow. So, uh, again, you know, HR is so key here and figuring out which one of your current key resources are going to move into this uh, area of new area of the business or what resources you need to recruit for and at what timeline and that you actually may have to make an upfront investment on people, which is a scary risk for a business um, to make that kind of an investment prior to solid revenue. Um, uh, Most companies can see doing that on something like IT or something like a building or a piece of equipment, but they have a hard time doing it with people. Uh, But it, it has to be approached the same way. So I found that the best way to scale quickly is to work hard to gain support with your best and key customers during during the pilot phase. So if you pilot with your best and key customers and you do whatever it takes to get them on board first and early, and that could mean throwing some things at them, you know, making it super cost-effective for them. Maybe it's a lost leader for you at the beginning with them, but if you support them really, really well and you get them on board, they're gonna become your industry spokesman. 
and they will help you with testimonial marketing and things in the industry move forward and gain further acceptance. And further, if you if you plan your infrastructure deployment around these key customers and you use their revenue to fund scaling, then you don't have to end up spending a lot of additional money. You're able to spend and use customer funding to scale your resources around deploying your advanced services model and the other aspects of your IoT business model to the, or the field and use that to fund it. But again, it's got to be viewed through the lens of long-term investment. And you can't expect too much too soon. And you can't oversell this to the board and the marketplace as a short-term and we're going to have you know massive returns in the next two years or something like that because it's going to set yourself up for failure in multiple areas. Everything that you're saying is spot on and expectation management internally and with the right customers is key. Back to your point earlier, these aren't aren't small investments and aren't small duration projects. It's, it's literally a, a change in mentality and, and a change in uh, a business strategy and, and how they're going to operate. And so another key piece that you hit on that, that might be worth exploring just a little bit more is around the types of resources for this. So... Are you seeing with customers that they are lacking the, the kind of skill sets needed to take the reins of these types of transformation or IoT projects? And that's what they're struggling with of trying to, to identify what that looks like. Maybe just shed some insights on, on kind of what you're seeing in this space because I've got mixed feelings about it. I'm just curious to, to see your perspective. Certainly. Um, well, if you break it up into functions, you know, where typically the skill set is existing is IT. As I mentioned, most of the technology is off the shelf um, and it's pretty readily available. Either they have it internally or it's not that too difficult to get um, someone to help deliver um, the IT infrastructure side of this. Um, usually the skill set issues that they run into are uh, on the sales side, um, you know, you look at most manu- industrial manufacturers, uh, they have salespeople that are great at selling a widget, but not an idea. And this is much more of an idea or a service sale. Um, and, and I found that, frankly, only about 10% of the existing sales force in most manufacturing companies are capable of making the shift. Um, so that's usually a big area that they have to figure out how they're going to deal with. Um, uh, and then uh, another issue when it comes down to uh, this is just an internal concept of how are they going to deal with this new business model organizationally. Are they going to do it as its own business unit by itself? Is it going to be within an existing one? Um, how are they going to set up the P&L? How do they do the financial metrics and recognition? Uh, and do they need to assign and bring in different finance type of resources or different accounting? Um, you get to um, uh, you know customer service uh, side and, and the technical side of this. You need people who can actually diagnose technical issues through uh, looking at software and dashboards and then deal with customer conversations in the middle. Um, There's some uh, different types of project management that starts to look really like a hybrid between an IT project management type of 
project and a manufacturing project management. They're kind of somewhere in between because it's a little bit of both. Oftentimes, that's not really a skill set that you have within most organizations. Many have to go, times you have to go find it. And it's, there's not a lot of that actually in the marketplace. So you have to really find the right person who's pretty adaptable and outgoing. And then just in general, the types of people who you want to put in this area, really, it's maybe less about experience and really more about how they think. Are they forward thinkers? Are they open to change? Are, are they you know, generally upbeat, positive people who see an issue and they want to overcome it? They don't get scared by you know, something, a problem approaching them or scared by ambiguity because when you're moving in a completely new business direction, there is a ton of ambiguity. You have to create as you go. So you have to have uh, you know, really forward-looking people that can deal with living in an, a space of ambiguity as opposed to a, a very defined space. Right. Now that makes perfect sense. So let's kind of tie this all out with how you measure success. So you, we've got uh, the strategy. We've got the key customers identified. We're now in, in pilot mode on the approach of, of scaling this IoT effort. So what do you look for and, and how do you set those expectations with both the customer and uh, internally with the business to, to measure that success? Right. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're starting here with the customer and you know, metrics really need to be defined early with your customer uh, and it needs to be defined uh, or re- related to the value creation that uh, you're attempting to deliver to the marketplace. Um, I mean, it put the IoT puts the manufacturer inside of the customer's business. Um, and so really your success needs to be tied to their success. Therefore, you need to have a thorough and agreed upon set of metrics that's really tied directly to how your customer views their success. Um, and, and so oftentimes these are not necessarily off the shelf because every customer, even in the same manufacturing space, may have a totally different internal metrics on how they view success. They may have different manufacturing processes from the next guy. And so the reason you want to start with key customers too is because they may be letting you in on things that they view as company secrets. And they're only going to do that with somebody that they truly trust. And so if you've been a long-term you know, key customer, trust is vital to getting these set up. So you, you can't just go out and do this with a target customer. It's got to start with your top best customers because they're going to be the only ones where you've got a long-term relationship of trust established. Um, and, and then while you should obviously have some internal metrics, you know, that help assure you're getting an ROI. So it could be a financial ROI, could be tied to revenue, field service utilization, first time fix, or some other OPEX metrics. metrics. Those are fine and probably important, although you should keep them uh, to you know three, four, or something like that, a really small list. Um, the key to the long-term success is really gonna be clear customer success metrics. If your customer sees improvement in their metrics, um, and then they see real dollar value creation on their side, you're going to have no problem as a manufacturer expanding your services out to other people and gaining industry support because they're, they are going to talk about you to everybody they know. Uh, and they're going to be you know, glad and happy to talk about it. Uh, you know, too many companies look at this through the eyes of internal operational improvement as opposed to improved customer relationship development and so really the more focus needs to be put on you know the customer improvement metrics 
And as long as you do that, the better off you're going to do you know, in the long run. So really, it, it, the establishment of metrics really starts out early on and then gets refined as you go through the pilot phase with your customer because you're going to learn some things that you didn't know or metrics you thought early on were going to be pretty easy to get and find out they aren't and you want to replace it with a different one and the customer agrees. You know, so there's there's got to be a regular process uh, and refinement uh, of metrics and again it really needs to be objective you don't want things that are not objective I, I like to say moogie foogie you know you don't really know what they mean it, being really truly objective that it's data that the customer can easily and quickly supply to you that's objective or you can easily get out of your um, IOT data uh, and in turn you know interpret that into something of valuable or, or value for the customer that's great, John. So I appreciate um, all the insights around that. One of the, the statements that you made that I'm just going to restate because it really resonated with me was IoT puts the manufacturer inside the customer's business. I think that's a, a great statement that is reflective of what we just walked through and talked about on this podcast. So, John, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. But before we close out, I'd like to ask the question of where do you see this going? Uh, where do you see the future of IoT? Where do you see the future of manufacturing? What things should not only your prospective customers, but just the industry in general be prepared for? Um, certainly. Um, so it, it's really vital to understand that IoT is not a short-term trend of the day. Uh, it, it is here to stay, and it's only going to pick up speed. Uh, and future entrance into your market may not come from your traditional competition. Uh, it's, it's a hard thing for a lot of manufacturers to understand. They may see new competition come inside from a completely unrelated, typically natural competitor for them. Yeah, IoT can, you know, if, if a company deploys it properly, they may be able to take hold over whole parts of a plant, which could incorporate a, a customer or manufacturer's product. Uh, as a component of that and all of a sudden their customer relationship closeness gets second or third delayed so it's really really vital that they get out in front of this sooner rather than later Um, at some point IOT is going to become a table stakes to doing business and those who simply don't have it are going to end up being out of business and finding their customers quickly leaving them and going to people who do have an IoT Industry 4.0 presence and can help them improve their business. You know, further, the other thing to be thinking about is, you know, once it gets to table stakes and basically everybody has it, then at that point, differentiation is going to be related to who provides the best measurable benefits to the customers. So the sooner you get started and start establishing customer-based metrics that provide customer-based ROI and value, um, the more likely you're going to be prepared for the future competitive landscape, be a market leader in that space, possibly leap competitors, and also fend off you know, competitive things that you didn't see coming from your flanks and outside of your typical industry. Fantastic. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, always love talking with other manufacturing leaders like you who are really driving change and, and on the front lines of, of technologies and trends like IoT. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I greatly appreciate it and uh, all the best. So for those of you listening, if you'd like to learn more about John and Accession Consulting, I encourage you to visit his LinkedIn profile and or website, which we'll be sure to provide a link to in our show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the episode and subscribe to Data in Depth, available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you might consume your podcasts. Thank you again for joining us today. 
Data in Depth is produced by Mountain Point, a digital transformation consulting firm focusing on the manufacturing sector. You can find show notes, additional episodes, and more by visiting dataindepth.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.